0: Welcome to Rewind, the book club where we reread old YA books and tell you our unfiltered opinions with lots of wine involved. For your hosts, I'm Sarah Jones-Dittmeier. And I'm Emily Cavender. This is episode 11.
1: I think you're right. I think I'm right too, because I think last time we recorded it was 10. Yeah, we were like, oh, my God, that's episode 10. Yeah, this is episode 11. (laughs) Episode 11
0: on the Vile Village and the Hostile Hospital.
1: Yes, yes. So many things. So many things to discuss. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, last week when we were recording, we decided um, to start a Beatrice Tracker, which I did in my notes. And I also started a VFD tracker of all of the different meanings we get of VFD. Um, oh, bad, so bad. I'm really excited. Um, it actually turned into a Beatrice slash Lemony tracker for things that Lemony says that I think are in relation to her or important events. Um, so there's a little bit about him in there too, but, um, there's, Oh, there's so much, there's so much here. Um, <laughs> I feel like we said this last time. I feel like the books are growing up now. Like I would agree, real. especially <laughs>
0: especially reading The Hostile Hospital. I felt like it oh,
1: really jumped as far as,
0: mm-hmm. um, you know, n- not just um, plot wise, but as far as like things that we were getting definitions of, mm-hmm. uh, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. What are you drinking?
1: Yeah. Uh, same thing as last week. I'm finishing this bottle. It's like the Code to Roses, Rosé, my favorite Kroger wine.
0: We're both, we're both repeating. Cause I have the E wine. <laughs>
1: <again>. <laughs> nice. The mysterious E wine. <clears throat> now that we're filming closer together with these shorter books, it's the same bottle from last time. I only drank half of it last time we recorded. So got to finish it tonight yeah. and then I'll need to go to the store. Um, is there anything else? Do we cover all the, the things we, we talked about?
0: I do want to cool. say though, before we jump in. So, um, I borrowed the audiobook of the vile village on um from the library to listen to and I didn't realize that Tim Curry does the audiobook. No and way. I, I hope he does all of them. Like I I'm going to see if he he's done the rest. Listening to Tim Curry do the audiobook for the vile village was delightful. That's amazing. Wow. I can't Again, he's get over so it. Good. <laughs> He's I wish all audiobooks were like this like I he he was just so good and he really like just acted like through it like you know he you know we know Mr. Poe coughs a lot but Mm -hmm. the amount of coughs that Tim Curry actually put into the dialogue as he was speaking it amazing Like when Hector was like speaking first thing in the morning, he like added a yawn to the dialogue. Mm. It was so realistic and excellent and it was delightful.
1: I love that. Well, my books are once again from the best secondhand bookstore ever here in Nashville. Um, I don't know if I've told you this before, but I, one of my favorite things about buying secondhand books, especially the ones I've been buying for our series here, which is like kids in YA, um, is when kids have written in them like their names and stuff. And it always makes me feel, um, I don't know. It just makes me feel really happy when I see that it was like loved by somebody else first. Um, so my vile village copy does not have anything written in it, but my hostile hospital does. Um, This has a sticker on the inside that says classroom book wish. Um, And it was purchased from the book fair in 2001 for Mrs. Speck's class, which I just thought was so cute to have this right on the inside of my book. That is super cute. Shout out to Mrs. Speck's class. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've had a few that have kids names in them and yeah, I really love buying secondhand books. So plus they were like $2. (laughs) So cool. Well, we're diving in this time. It was my turn to take some notes. Um, I feel like my notes are all over the place. Honestly, I have so many notes for vile village, not very many for hostile hospital, lots of anger though. So, um, let's just dive in. (laughs) So book seven, the vile village, um, the first sign (laughs) <laughs> that this was going to be a terrible place to live for me was they're on the bus, the bus stops in the literal middle of nowhere. And the bus driver was like VFD. And they were like, excuse me. <laughs> and he's like, see that mirage on the horizon. That's the city you're living in, but the elders won't let me drive any closer than this. So get out. That's a big no for me. Um, <laughs> Like, I don't understand why these crazy people would require the bus to drop so far away. They never mention it again. So no clue. Um, But that's like really rude of them. Like, what if I already had all my steps in for the day?
0: Um, I mean, yeah, I am sure the like there's a rule in in this village that states that clearly states that the bus Mm -hmm. can't be within a certain
1: distance of the village. Mm -hmm. speaking of rules my favorite rule mentioned is rule 4,661 citizens cannot use their mouths for recreation (laughs) yep and I just yep I giggled so hard (laughs) (laughs) this is one of those gems that we talked about where there's like jokes hidden in these books for the adults this was yep that's one of them um So yeah, so we're in this terrible town. They chose it because the acronym for the town was VFD and they thought it could be related to um, Olaf and this plot. And then we learned that the name of the town is the village of foul devotees because they worship (laughs) birds.
0: (laughs) So I... I, okay, there were a few things that I had specifically remembered from the File mm-hmm. Village. The first was I knew about the birds. I knew that um, the quagmires communicated with the couplets, and I knew that they were hidden, I was pretty sure, in the fountain. Um, mm-hmm. and, but I couldn't, one of the things I couldn't remember was what VFD stood for in this town. And I thought
1: it was so funny. That was like a great moment. Um, It's really the beginning of these VFD jokes where they're finding it everywhere they go, but they just mean something totally absurd. And the people that are in the group are totally absurd too. So
0: yes, absolutely. Um,
1: So now we have very fancy doilies and village of foul devotees are some VFD definitions. And we will continue. I I love the very fancy doilies. Great. Um, so there have been some like really cool, like literary moments in here. Um, I think one of my favorite things, like this town is infested with crows and every night they roost in this giant tree called the Nevermore tree. So there's like a little Edgar Allan Poe reference in there, which I love. Um, another cool literary moment we're talking about like teaching. Um, (laughs) there's a part, where Sunny was literally under a tree and sang the word bark. And she would, and that's how he introduced this concept, barking up the wrong tree. Um, and oh man, like it's that those little moments make me like really enjoy reading these. Um, I love, I love a little, a little like, double meaning there.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, it, yeah, it's really clever how he introduces us to these new I don't even want to say terms. They're more, I think we learned a lot more phrases in these two books. Yeah. Uh,
1: What's the, what's it called? Um, Like colloquialisms, I guess. Yeah. Um, Turns of phrase, if you will, (laughs) like entertaining a notion, you know? Yes. Yeah. There's lots of like, we've escalated from the early books where it was one word and we're really learning more about phrases and what they mean culturally. It's really fun. Um, So in this town, they have a lot of insane rules. And then we learn that the punishment for breaking the rules is the same. Every rule has the same punishment. Getting burnt at the stake. Yep. They could have been burned at the stake for putting too many nuts in a Sunday. Yeah. Yes. Like, (laughs) what the (laughs) fuck? (laughs) I just, um, I don't understand. Also, the introduction of the mob mentality in this is so just clever. like so absurd, like so clever. Um, the way one person's like, Let's burn them at the stake, let's burn everyone at the stake. Yeah, it's just like things escalate it, so quickly.
0: But he does such a good job of like explaining it to us and then showing us not just mm-hmm. once but at least twice, you know, Many when times. the Baudelaires try it and then again at the end, like, um,
1: yeah. I, yeah, I thought that was—it's wild. So clever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so um, we are introduced to a new character named Jacques, who also has the eye tattoo on his ankle and also has a unibrow. And um, he's captured. The town thinks that he is Olaf, and they're arresting him. And they say they're going to burn him at the stake. He starts shouting, I have this tattoo as part of my job at the volunteer. And then he gets cut off. Mm-hmm. So now we have a clue here, like a true solid clue that the first word in VFD is volunteer. So I put that on my list of VFD meetings, volunteer XX, because we don't know the F and the B. But that seems like a pretty solid lead since he has the eye tattoo. Um, he also like looked at them and mentioned knowing their parents which is a good sign that their parents are wrapped up in BFD as well. So I feel like we got like some really key information it with this character about the um, conspiracy and what happened with their parents. Yes. And then we find out his last name is Snicket.
0: I literally had a moment in the car where like the name Jacques, like unlocked some memory within me. And it was like, As soon as he was like, my name is Jacques, I literally out loud, I was like, oh, my God, is it Jacques Snicket?
1: It is. And it is. Um, And if you don't remember, the importance of this is that the author's name is Lemony Snicket. Um, They also made a reference to his brother being some writer, but they get cut off there as well. Mm -hmm. So we're pretty sure this is Lemony's brother, Jacques. So here's another way that he's connected to this story on a more personal level than just investigating it. Um, So, yeah, we're like we're getting we're getting more and more clues about what's really going on, aside from just Olaf wanting their money here. Um, Unfortunately, they want to save him from getting burned at the stake because the orphans know that he's not really Olaf, but no one will listen to them. Um, so they, they try to get there early so that he can give himself a defense, you know, that's in the rules of the town, but he's already dead when they get there, which is really unfortunate because this is like the first tie they've had to their parents and it's immediately ripped out of their hands. Is it, is it really
0: unfortunate?
1: (laughs) I think you could say (laughs) that it's truly, truly unfortunate. Um, I think you'll introduce or you'll appreciate this moment. So um, up until this point of the book, um, I thought that Olaf was the police chief and drag. (laughs) As soon as that detective Luciana or whatever her name is, is introduced, she's the chief of police. She's a brand new chief of police. So I was like, Olaf, anytime we're introduced to a new person, it's always Olaf. And all they said was really tall and has a helmet on that covers most of their face lipstick. lipsticks so was like this is Olaf and lipstick um and it wasn't until detective Dupin or Dupin whatever arrives or,
0: or as Tim Curry says it Dupont
1: Dupont okay um as soon as he <laughs> is introduced um that's when I was like oh fuck it wasn't Olaf this whole time it was Esme the bitch um but and yeah I no. already did drag and he was like all right check that box onto the next disguise." <laughs> I literally wrote in my notes, oh my God, Olaf and drag. And then I had to like edit it and go back. And I was like, ah, there he is. He's the detective. He just took his time showing up in this book. Um, So he shows up and immediately accuses the Baudelaire's of murdering Jacques, AKA fake Olaf. Um, I really want to talk about Hector for a minute. Yeah. Never have I been so disappointed. In a person in this whole series, because and that's
0: saying a lot. Because it really is. We've been like even last book. I think you and I both were very Jerome. disappointed in Jerome.
1: Yes, this is worse than Jerome to me though, because we meet Hector, and he is the first adult who listens to them and believes them. Like even Jerome didn't fully believe some of the things they were saying, you know, but. Hector was like, Oh, tell me your life story. Oh my God. That's horrible. I'm going to do everything I can to help you. Tell me about your friends, the quagmires. Let's figure out how we can save them. I'm going to run away in my hot air balloon home and you and the quagmires can come with me. And it's going to be great. I'll take care of you. And I'm like, finally, we have an adult who's listening to them, treating them like intelligent creatures instead of just little infants not only that we take it a step further he makes them delicious food which not all of their guardians have done and he gets them all access to things that they love to do he has a secret library he has a secret inventing studio they're under that tree with all the branches there's plenty of sharp things for Sunny to chew on so it's, like, not only are they getting all of their basic needs met, he's, like, taking it further. And I'm, like, wow, oh, my God, this is amazing. This adult is who they've needed since their parents died.
0: And or, then...
1: I'm going to correct you. This is who mm-hmm? they've needed since Monty. You're right. Monty was great. Monty was great. Um, So since Monty, they've had a slew of horrible guardians. And then they get Hector, who looks perfect. And, yeah, he's shy, But he is truly taking care of them and like helping them. And it's amazing. And he makes them enchiladas. And now I want some enchiladas. But then Olaf accuses them of being murderers with the flimsiest evidence in the world, BTW, um, in front of the whole town. And they say, we have an alibi. We were with Hector all night. Tell him, Hector. And that motherfucker says nothing. He is silent because he's too afraid to talk in front of the council of elders who were just a bunch of stupid old people. Like get over yourself. He was willing to let these children die rather than say anything. And I was so crushed. I felt personally betrayed when I was reading this because we talked about this last week I don't I didn't remember much of this book I had forgotten about his character entirely so for me to like fall in love with him and being like oh my god he's taking such good care of them I was so upset so upset
0: yeah it was extremely heartbreaking and like such bs and it's like okay yeah like I understand that like the council makes you skittish but like when people are being accused of murder and like you're the alibi that they have like you need to speak up especially since like at the end of the book he does sort of he does end up speaking back to the council when he's on Mm -hmm. his like hot air hot air balloon mobile home yeah it's like only when he
1: knows he has an out
0: yeah like okay where was that like two chapters ago (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i i was just so upset by that whole development. And then he visits them in jail and they're like, we're trying to break out. And he, all he does is deliver the next couplet poem that was delivered by the crows. Like he doesn't do anything. And he's like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to go get the hot air balloons ready. No, dude, that's helping you. Like (laughs) these children are in jail. They're scheduled to be burned at the stake in mere hours. Mm -hmm. And you're going to go get your hot air balloons. Like, okay, bro, whatever. So, so disappointing, this whole, ugh. I just want, I just want them to be able to rely on an adult for once in their life, okay? I know. children.
0: I don't know if it's ever going (laughs) to happen. So upset.
1: At this point, we get all of the couplets. They figure out the clue that the quagmires are in the fountain. I remembered that pretty early in the book because anytime they say anything is new where they are, we know it's something to do with Olaf. So they mentioned that this fountain was brand new. So I was like, that's where the quagmires are. (laughs) Um, So, but they figured out the poems. um, They go over, they break out of jail. They destroy the fountain pretty much and save their friends. And once again, Their friends bring up VFD and they don't talk about it. Instead, as they're sneaking through town, they tell them all the little things that have happened since the last time they saw each other instead of being like, just in case we're separated again. BFD means this. You need to know this. So.
0: Yeah, I have thoughts on this, too, and, you know, and I knew we weren't going to get all of the information. Mm -hmm. Um. However, I will say I don't have as much beef with the not getting information in this book as I did in the last one, because I felt like it didn't feel forced in this one, like it (laughs) felt in the elevator shaft where, you know, they didn't have people running after them and they weren't actively trying to escape in the elevator shaft, (laughs) you know, like they had time to have that conversation.
1: Yeah, I'll give you that. Um,
0: Because they were actively trying to escape, they're actively being followed by a mob. And I thought more naturally got cut off like mid-sentence because something had happened. I found it much more believable. Mm The same thing with the notebooks. I was like, okay, just drop the notebooks, please. Mm -hmm. Just like drop them. And then even though Esme (laughs) got them with her harpoon gun, um, at least they were able to collect the pages and I was like, okay, we have something at least now that can sort of guide us in the right direction.
1: We have a few shredded pieces of paper.
0: Right. But at least it felt more believable in this book than down in the elevator shaft did last. Slightly
1: book. more believable, still frustrating. <laughs> um, yeah. So in this moment, Hector does like the one helpful thing and shows up with his hot air balloon that he already took off. So he drops down a ladder and the quagmires are able to get up into the basket, but the Baudelaire's are not. And they have to drop back down to the ground so that their friends can be rescued, which is just, you know, heartbreaking, but also like as much shit as they've gone through, they hadn't been kidnapped yet their friends, the Quagmires have been kidnapped for two whole books now. So um, I'm glad that they are in safe hands, even though they're stuck in a floating hot air balloon home and who knows how we're going to reconnect with them later, but we know that they're safe. Hector will take care of them and feed them.
0: Yeah. I did remember um, also going into this book that they did get separated by the Quagmires and I knew the Quagmires ended up on the mobile home. But I mm-hmm. forgot exactly how they got separated. And then, as I was reading, I was like, "Oh, they're just the ladder's going to break, or something like that." Yeah, and they're so
1: clicked. close, so yeah. close. And then they shot an arrow at the ladder, and it was unraveling. You know, so sad. It wasn't an arrow; it was a harpoon. Harpoon. <laughs> I'm sorry; it was a harpoon uh, and a crossbow. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this book ends with them basically running for their lives. And, um, it's very different from the way that our previous books have ended because the previous books have all ended with Olaf getting caught. And then Mr. Poe is going to pick them up and bring them somewhere new. But there's an article in the newspaper that says they're murderers at this point, um, that they murdered Olaf, even though Olaf is still alive and he's the one who killed Jock Snicket. But they can't really do anything. They can't, they can't live any kind of normal life as close to normal as they have been living because they were accused of being murderers at this point. So it really ends with everything up in the air over what's going to happen next. Um, and then not only is that different, but instead of our normal letter at the end of the book, we got a telegram for the first time, which was Really cool. In the moment, I was like, oh my God, that's so cute. It's switching it up. And then I immediately picked up the hostile hospital and it immediately starts with telegrams. And I loved that tie in. It was very seamless from seven to eight. You know, that first opening couple pages were explaining what telegrams were and why they all end with the word stop. And then that really continued on through the rest of the book because we see the orphan sending a telegram to Mr. Poe, trying to tell them that they're innocent. But not only that, randomly throughout the rest of the book is the word stop in all capitals at the end of sentences. So I just thought that was really fun. A callback back um, back to this telegram clue about what this book was going to be out, be about in the first place. So um, that was like a really fun theme that was woven into this whole story.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I love I love the letters to the editor and especially the one at the end of the hostile hospital. That's literally in shreds. Um, so we can bear, we can barely read it. We just get like very tiny, you know, details. Um, so I, I
1: always really, really love that. Yeah. Just a fun thing. Um, yeah. So this book starts the hostile hospital again, they're on the run. Um, they don't have guardians anymore. Um, they're walking through the middle of nowhere where there's nothing in sight. They stumble upon a store, they send a telegram. Then the store owner realizes there are these murderers from the newspaper and they have to run again. And then we meet a new VFD, (laughs) a group pulls up outside the store, um, and they're called the VFD and the group, um, is picking up supplies And, um, they jump in the van with them. They're like, come on brother and sisters. We almost left you behind. So they jump in without even knowing what's going on. And we learn that this group is the volunteers fighting disease. (laughs) Um, and they are a bunch of hippies that go to the local hospital and hand out heart-shaped balloons and sing an annoying song, but don't actually help anyone. Um, so we have a third definition of VFD here, volunteers fighting disease. Um, which has the the correct first word. (laughs) It does. We're getting closer because it has the correct first word. Um, but I will say the cool, a cool thing about them is that they've basically introduced the concept of manifestation. When we first meet the group, they start talking about how picturing something makes it so, um, and at the time people like laughed and thought that was silly, but like a lot of people believe in manifestation. Um, so that's just like a funny thing, the way it aged with the way the times have changed a little bit. It is.
0: But I would say like, as someone who believes in manifestation, you can't j- only picture the thing. Like action yes. has to come along with, with it.
1: Like, mm-hmm. yes,
0: picture yourself being healthy, but like absolutely be at the doctor when you need to be there and use the medicine that they give you. Like the two go hand in hand. <laughs>
1: um. So they follow these volunteers to the hospital. Um, and immediately someone tells them, Oh, you need to find a hall of records somewhere. And then lo and behold, the hospital needs some VFD volunteers to help in their hall of records. And it's not even just a hall of records for the hospital. It's the hall of records for like this whole area, this whole town, country, whatever, wherever we are, who knows? Um, And they end up working in this place, which has a terrible organizational system, but they have so much information at their fingertips. Um, And it's one of those, uh, (laughs) one of those um, uh, funny moments in books where they're like, man, all we need is a book. Oh, look books, (laughs) you know? The one thing I'll
0: say is that he does introduce Deus Ex Machina in book seven. And then literally like, uses it in the book so that we can see how it's done
1: (laughs) i didn't know how to pronounce that so thank you
0: (laughs) (laughs) so it doesn't like feel like a cop out it feels Mm -hmm. purposeful
1: yeah because we did learn about what this was when they were in prison in the vile village um so one of the things i do want to talk about is sunny in this book i feel like we see so much growth from her in this book in particular, you know, sometimes she still is saying nonsense words, but a lot of the time she is saying a word in English in place of a full sentence that still is like the same topic. So like she and Klaus are um, doing something and she tell like she says velocity and he's like, I know I'm hurrying, you know? Um, so it's really cool to see growth from her English. My
0: favorite is her asking decap.
1: When they yes. Oh that my God. Violet's
0: going to get her head cut off. <laughs>
1: yes. There, there's so many funny moments with her English. She's able to communicate with people outside of her siblings really for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the previous book ended with her walking for the first time. So like she's growing up. Um, we saw Klaus's birthday in the last book as well. So like, I feel like this is the first book where it feels like time is passing, even though I think this whole book is like 48 hours like it's barely any time at all um that. but yeah so i just love seeing that growth in Eng- in sunny's english and um the way there's more like jokes with her um yeah it's real great i love i love her weird little tooth baby but um so olaf and his minions kidnap violet um she tells klaus and sunny to escape knowing that she won't be able to And they plan a surgery on her that is removing her head. Wherein she might die. Might die. Might die. Um, Not only are they doing a surgery, but they're doing it publicly in an operating theater that is filled not only with doctors and nurses, but also reporters and some volunteers. If anyone has ever watched any kind of medical show, you know, that that's not fucking happening when you're doing surgery. Sometimes there is like an observation area where other medical professionals can view it, but not volunteers, not reporters, unless they sign a shit ton of paperwork, like they're not just going to let that happen. So even if it was a normal surgery, that wouldn't happen. But the fact that they come in there and they're like groundbreaking new surgery where we remove someone's head in not a single doctor or nurse says, "Mm, no, that is the most unbelievable thing that has happened in this whole series for me is being in a room full of medical professionals, holding up a rusty saw and saying, we're going to chop our patient's head off. And this is a groundbreaking surgery for medical reasons.
0: Well, I, okay. I agree with you that it's like, unbelievable but at the same time I feel like it's believable in the world that we're in because this (sighs) is also a world where um literally like all people need to like get married is to sign a document and like that's it and there's no other paperwork that's necessary this is also a community that was fooled by a baby and like a 13 14 year old dressed as doctors (laughs) as well um and this community also seems to care more about what ends up in the newspaper than like
1: anything else. Listen, no matter what the universe is, I expect better from medical professionals. These are scientists. This is a hospital
0: that is only half
1: built. Like, like so? okay.
0: Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, do we think the medical staff is going to be the best in, you know,
1: I don't know. I just have feel hospitals like hospitals are under construction and renovations all the time and still functioning. Okay. I don't know about in this community though. <laughs> Listen, I, this is what my note says operating theater, my ass. <laughs> maybe just,
0: maybe this is why Lemony Snicket said that most operating theaters are not have now turned into what
1: restaurants, yeah, whatever it was. <laughs> he said
0: like they were, they like were closed down or turned
1: into restaurants because of this one time where they almost let someone cut someone's head off Ugh. anyway so klaus and sunny are able to grab violet and escape through the hospital and like all of the henchmen and all of these other doctors and volunteers are chasing them through the hospital in the middle of this the house uh, the hall of records was set on fire and it's catching throughout the rest of the hospital you know at least Olaf said Go after those murdering orphans and maybe also evacuate the patients. We had a we had a little glimmer of something good in his like soul. Like
0: if you had time. I also want to say that I kind of liked getting some like firsthand insight into Olaf's like troop and the mm-hmm. fact that they like went out to dinner to celebrate whatever... I forget what, if it was like, (laughs) they like went out to dinner to
1: like celebrate that. I think Mm -hmm. was so funny. Yeah. This is the first time since the first book that we've seen them in a group, like normally each book he's got like one or two with him at a time. So, um, yeah. And the, like them pretending to be the white faced women and really getting, um, an inside scoop of the way the troop interacts with each other was really fun. Um, If only we knew their names. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So they end up having to jump out of the window with a rubber band bungee cord to save themselves from this hospital fire. Um, There's a giant crowd of people out there that are trying to capture them because they still think they're murderers. And there's only one way to escape. And that's by getting into the trunk of Olaf's car. (laughs) this whole series eight books has been them trying to escape from olaf so the way that it ended with them climbing into the trunk of his car just felt very like sobering i, guess. I, don't, I don't know if that's the word i want to use but um it was like they the literal only way they could save their lives was to get into the like what oh what do they say? like the belly of the whale like whatever whatever that phrase is um hiding in the trunk of his car while they drive away from the scene of the crime um was just very um I guess sobering is the best word I can think of, unless you can think of a better one. I don't know.
0: Um no, I agree. And I'm I'm just gonna put a disclaimer here that if people can hear footsteps above me, I'm so sorry. There's nothing I can do. Um <laughs> <laughs> you control my neighbors' actions. Um I agree with you. I think, you know, one of the things Um, one of the most important things I feel like I've learned as a writer myself is that you shouldn't be kind to your main characters because readers like the tension and like to figure things out. And so you're certainly
1: not kind to your main characters. I'm not at all. (laughs)
0: I'll admit that freely. Um, I'm not. but it's, but it's important because you want, you know, some authors really want to be nice to their main characters and it's really, you want to do the opposite of that in order to make a good book, oddly enough. Um, yeah. Nobody wants to read
1: a book where they get everything that they want and there's no conflict. There's no tension. Like that's not interesting.
0: Exactly. And so I think, you know, the Baudelaire's have obviously been through a lot of unfortunate events. Um, but there's something where, you know, just like the tough decision that Violet had to make where she realized we can't keep climbing up this ladder because it's going to break and we're going to die. Um, it, it's, it felt like a very similar decision where she was like, you know what, the best way to get out of where we are now is we have to get into the trunk of Olaf's car and we're going to have to figure out a way to escape after that. But otherwise, we're not going to make it. Mm hmm. It's a very hard decision. Um, but these kids are smart and we have quite a few books left. So something tells me that they'll figure their way out of it.
1: Clearly I mean, they we- do.
0: <laughs> yeah. We got so, what, five books left? <laughs> um yeah, there's 13 of these in total. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but also I wanted to I wanted to mention so one of the big problem solving thing um, in this book was the anagrams, which I thought was really clever. And we learned that Alfonkut is an anagram for Count Olaf and that, um, Dr. Flacatono is also an anagram for Count Olaf. And I realized when I was reading that Dr. O. Lucafont is also an anagram for Count Olaf, Mm -hmm. as well as Nurse Flo and Dr. Tacona, if you put them together,
1: Mm -hmm. also Count Olaf. So fun. So Um, fun. The fact that they solved the anagrams using alphabet soup also. Oh my God. That moment was so cute. So cute. I loved it. Um, I also
0: really liked seeing Klaus and Sunny work together without Violet.
1: Yeah. Um, But like, normally she's the one in charge telling everyone what to do. And this time they had to figure it out on their own. mm -hmm. um, And they did, you know, like that was, it was like, Klaus and Sonny both got a chance to like step up to the plate, say Violet for once. It was nice. It was really nice. Yeah. Um, so, the one thing plot wise I want to talk about before we jump into the Beatrice tracker is in the Hall of Records, um, they learn that Hal recognizes them because he filed something about the Snicket fires. They go searching in the hall, which is not very well organized in all of the possible places before they finally think to check under Baudelaire, they find their file, but it seems to be empty. And there's a note on it that says all 12 pages have been removed for the investigation, but there is a 13th page still in the file that says that they believe somebody survived the fire and their whereabouts are unknown. So the orphans learn that there is a chance that one of their parents could be alive. And there is a photo of their parents with Jacques and a man who's turned away, who is probably... It's, has <laughs> it has to be one. It has to be Um, And so it's this moment where like for eight whole books, like all they've been getting is like shit on over and over and over because they don't have their parents anymore. And now they're getting hope that one of their parents might still be out there. There might be a way out of this horror show they've been living for. Well, I guess it's probably only been like a month or two because time's moving really quickly through these books. Um, But there's hope that one of their parents might actually be alive, um, which is very exciting. But of course, as a reader of a series called A Series of Unfortunate Events, because again, I never finished these. My brain didn't jump to one of the parents is alive it jumped to somebody else was in that fire that survived that wasn't their parents. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
1: um, it Jacques and Lemony were in the photo. So my brain was like, what if Lemony was in the fire with the parents and escaped? And that's why he's telling these stories. We know he's tied in through Beatrice, but what if it's way more personal than that? Um, so that's my theory right now. Um, we'll see what happens. Um,
0: I like the theory. I think it's really interesting. And I think we'll see what happens. We'll as see. We go
1: along. I think so. We had planned on doing seven episodes covering the series of unfortunate events and books. Should we do a special eighth episode where we talk about the movie and the TV show?
0: Absolutely, 100%. I was hoping you were going to say that because I'm yes. dying to rewatch the
1: series and I'm so excited to hear your thoughts about it. I'm so excited to watch it finally. I've just heard nothing but good things. And when I have finished the books and it's all fresh, I will definitely be watching it. Um, Cool. So those were all my notes for the books. Let's talk about the Beatrice Tracker. Beatrice Tracker check-in. So I, he he had mentioned a few random things in the earlier books that I wish I'd started this tracker earlier, but I did not. Um, So the things that we knew, from the earlier books was that she lived a short life and is dead and that Lemony was in love with her, but he couldn't be with her in the last episode. We talked about how she stole something from Esme. So she has a connection to Esme squalor. She stole something from her. We learned so much in these two books about Beatrice and Lemony. So here is what we have updated. Lemony thought that he was going to marry Beatrice one day, but she married somebody else because of something that she learned in the daily punctilio. Is that that how you say the name of the newspaper? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. The daily punctilio, which we know is a very unreliable newspaper. Like half the stuff they print is wrong. The names are wrong. It's horrible, but she read something in that newspaper, which caused her to marry someone else. We also learned Beatrice met Esme for the very first time on a Thursday afternoon for afternoon tea. Um, A limiting note here. He stole a sugar bowl from Esme. Could that be what Esme thinks Beatrice stole from her? Because a sugar bowl would be out at afternoon tea. So I'm thinking this could be connected
0: I think you're right because doesn't Esme say in the Airsats elevator, I want to
1: steal from you, like Beatrice, Beatrice stole from me? from me. Yeah. Yeah. That's the quote. So Beatrice stole something from Esme, but what if it was actually Lemony? And what if him stealing like he said something like, Why did I steal that sugar bowl from Esme Squalor? And I was like, is that what she thought Beatrice stole from her? Um, another little clue he was talking about how words can remind you of things. And he said, the word Beatrice reminds me of a corrupt volunteer organization. And I was like, mm, is this the volunteer in VFD that they're involved in? That is clearly corrupt. And then the last thing I put on here, which is more a lemony note than a Beatrice note. lemony has a tattoo on his ankle, which clearly must be an eye tattoo like Jacques and like Olaf. Mm -hmm. So we learned so much in these two books about Beatrice and Lemony and how they tie into whatever this conspiracy is, which makes me really excited that in our last episode, I decided to start this tracker. So um, the pieces are slowly appearing and um, we will be learning more and more over the remaining five books, I'm sure. But overall, yeah, I feel like I said this last week. I, when we got to book six, it felt like a step up in the series. I feel like seven was kind of on the same level as six, but eight, when we get to Hostile Hospital, shit is a whole new world. We have no uh, guardians, they're totally on their own um, for the very first time in their lives. And um, it moved even quicker than our previous books had. Like I'm pretty sure it was 48 hours, maybe three days max. Um, so, and it ended with them writing off in the trunk of Olaf's car. So who knows what's going to happen next? Um, but we got our letter to the editor, like you said, which was all shredded up where we could barely read it. And we just got little snippets, but the next book is called the carnivorous carnival. So in our next episode, we'll talk about book 12. Um, I'm sorry, not book 12, book nine and 10. It'll be episode 12. Episode 12 <laughs> is books nine and 10 in the series of unfortunate events, the carnivorous carnival and the slippery slope. Um, so, um, super excited read along with us. Um, I feel like I had a kind of a bumpy start with these books, but it's getting, it's getting really good. So.
0: It is I mean, indeed.
1: I'm, I'm so excited to,
0: cause I feel like I have My memories of the earlier books are much fresher than the later ones. And so I I really no
1: memories of what's what is happening. And like I just remember remember bits and pieces.
0: Like I just remember like I don't I really didn't remember most of the hostile hospital. I -hmm. I think I remembered the giant
1: knife because like it's on the cover. (laughs) I think the only thing I remember that hasn't been covered yet is there's a scene with a waterfall. I think. I don't know if I made that up, but I think that's the only thing I'm remembering that we haven't covered. So maybe there's a waterfall scene. I also think maybe we meet the third quagmire triplet. I think he's not dead. I think those are the two things I have as maybe memories, but (laughs) I don't know. So we'll see, whatever. Um, We'll see if I'm right as we continue reading on these last five books.
0: Yes, we will. And I'm super excited to
1: continue. These are fun. I think it's almost more fun when I don't remember everything. Cause like twilight, I remembered every single detail, but this has been so fun for me. Um, and there's a lot of books on our list. I feel like we haven't really talked about this much. Um, for the most part, we said that we were going to reread books that we loved when we compiled our list. There were a lot of series that Sarah had read and I had not, or I had read and Sarah had not. Um, so I'm really excited, like looking at the list of series we have coming up. Um, a lot of these are things i never read before. So um.
0: I'm very excited to, to relive um, some of these series with you, the one, especially the ones that I read mm-hmm. and was obsessed with, and you haven't, you haven't even touched
1: yet. Should we give them a little hint of what some of our future series might be? Sure. Okay. So, for me, the one that I never read that I'm the most excited about, I think, is Morganville Vampires. We have a lot of vampire series on our list because every you can't talk about YA without vampires. And Sarah has talked this one up so much. So, I cannot wait to read the Morganville Vampires books.
0: I listen, I love Morganville so much. And, um, I, like, I've been on a reread of those, like, maybe, like, when the pandemic first started, um, and they're just, they're so fun, and, like, and the, and I have to say, like, Rachel Kane who was the author of those books, who has since passed away, was, like, the nicest human on Twitter to, like, interact with. Like, anytime I tweeted at her for writing advice, she always got back to me, um, which was just so wonderful, and, um, so Morganville has a very special place in my heart. Um, and so I can't, I, that's
1: like one of the ones that I'm like super excited to reread and dive in with you. <laughs> we might have to move it further up the list. We'll see. Okay. What's one on our list that you haven't read yet that you're the most excited for? Um,
0: let me look at our
1: list one second. Yeah. I literally have it pulled up right now looking at it. <laughs> Also, there are someone here that neither one of us have read um, that were like very popular, maybe in other forms of media other than just the books. But So
0: I'm excited to, I would say I, I never read the Ugly series, um, oh. but I, all of my friends are really obsessed with that in middle school. That's um, one of the
1: ones that I'm the most excited to talk about because I love, love, love those books. And I know that you're going to love them too. So I'm really excited for you to read those.
0: Yeah. And I would say a very close second to that would be Percy Jackson.
1: Mm, I love Percy Jackson. It's silly, but it's Greek mythology and we love Greek mythology. So um, I think you're going to really enjoy this too. Yeah. So very exciting. Are we pretending like we did this all when we originally found it?
0: We can, we can be honest and say that we (laughs) forgot. (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so we forgot to do last call and to decide on which place we would rather live last episode. So we're doing it now. We're just going to splice this in. Yeah. This is us from the future. Yes. Um, so Emily from the future, which location would you rather have lived in?
1: Okay. I think this one, it might be the most difficult decision so far, Mm -hmm. but I'm leaning towards vile village. Wow. Because, and hear me out. If I needed serious medical assistance, the people in this hospital cannot be trusted (laughs) because they were (laughs) going to let someone's head get cut off in front of them and thought it was like a new, exciting surgery. Um, I am very detail oriented. So I feel like I could memorize the rules of the vile village easily, and have all, no however many
0: multiple thousands of them.
1: I mean, I'd carry the book around with me everywhere. I went just to be safe. Um, I probably would like you can't, major you can't have the book. Yeah. That's the, the only books. book, right? Oh no, no, that's right. It was hidden. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, um, you know what? I'm going to revise my statement. I would infiltrate the council of elders to, in order to implement some reform in the city. <laughs> And that's that's how I would do this. Cause I can't I can't go to that hospital that's half finished where they would let a child's head be cut off. Fair. Although um I'm gonna pick the
0: hospital. Okay. But here's why. I am terrified of fire. And I like very much believe that I was burned at the stake in a past life, which is why I'm yeah. so afraid of fire in this life. And so I don't like fire either. I would choose the hospital, but I would just like. Hide out in the records place and just like chill.
1: That's true. Reading it and the lack of organizational system they had, I would love to fix that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But then you just have to pray that you don't actually need any kind of medical help.
0: Right. Or it's like medical help that you have enough time to like then drive to a different place to handle it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. So, what's your last call for the
1: Vile Village? Um, okay. Oh, here's, here's another thing that I've noticed. When we recorded our episode for books one and two, we did a combo summary. When we recorded our episode for three and four, we did separate summaries. And then when we recorded five and six, we did another combo summary (laughs) because we can't remember what we've done.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) And we record before we, before we post the previous episode. Um, I'm going to, I think we should revert back to combo summaries. Okay. I think we, I think we should do this moving forward. So my combo summary last call for Val village and hostile hospital. Um, the kids are sent to live in a city that has too many rules is obsessed with burning people alive, but they escape hide in hospital. Violet almost has her head cut off in front of a crowd. (laughs) And then they escape Olaf with Olaf. Nice. I'm going I'm to go confident simple. about this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go is simple. My, this on my worst one yet. <laughs>
0: okay, go. I'm going to say too many rules and not enough
1: real doctors. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I'm writing this down right now. There's, yeah, you're going to win this one for sure. Mine's terrible.
0: <laughs> I hope so. You've been winning an alliance line over the last. I really have. Speaking of. I feel like you have more friends that are active like voters than I do.
1: Okay. Yes. But they don't always vote for me. Like okay. Brittany, she votes for you a lot. Wow. So I'm just better at this than you. Um <laughs>
0: I feel like I've had some good ones where I feel like uh the vote should have been a little bit closer than it was. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, uh, friends of Sarah who are listening to this, um, I'm calling you out. (laughs) I'm calling you out. Like I always share it to my stories, and you're looking at it, and then you're being like, "No, go vote." (laughs) I don't mind if I lose. I just feel like it's like very obvious that my friends aren't helping me out and not making it like sort of close like I feel like it should be
1: (laughs) because for those of you listening I'm the one who runs our social account so um yeah next time after the votes I'm gonna like screenshot for you so you can see who's voting for Hale yes because I'm always I'm always like "Mm, Sarah's friend voted for me but my friend voted for Sarah (laughs) but also like don't vote for me just to vote for me like I don't want this to be rigged I want you to vote for the actual best right. summary. like
0: you have to actually vote based on the judgment of who has the best bad summary exactly
1: no yeah. hijacked elections here <laughs> <laughs> anyway back to our previously recorded programming all right
0: guys we'll see you next time first rounds on us Rewind is written and produced by Sarah Jones-Dipmeyer and Emily Cavender. It's edited by Sarah Jones-Dipmeyer. Music is by Mark Shwido. Find us on TikTok at Rewind Podcast or on Instagram at Rewind underscore podcast.